What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 75, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Tangent. Hey, We're Brent. an independent cop. Oh, yeah. Brent, I yes. just wanted to take us on a tangent here. Uh, oh, yeah? Where are we going? I have no idea. Probably somewhere near Jupiter. Somewhere near um, Jupiter. <laughs> may, maybe Jupiter's just too far out there. Let's just go to Mars. Uh, by the way, I have lots yeah. of board games that have to do with Mars. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's right. I played a couple of them. some of those ones that are made that have to do with Mars are made by guys who also made games that have to do with wine. And oh. this has nothing to do with Stargate. So uh, what are we again? Oh, we're, we're a Stargate podcast. So, you know, that that's that's... That's where it kind of comes back to. Right. Uh, what are we? An independent podcast. That's right. Uh, you can help keep this thing independent. Uh, we're on Patreon. Walk it. Blah, blah, blah. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. Uh, link is going to be in the show notes. And uh, your support helps keep the show going because dollars received are going against Zach's computing device. Uh, that was a thing that we, uh, we that he had to pull the trigger on a little bit ago. And so that money is still very, very, very helpful. Thank you so much to everybody who is contributing. It is super great. Uh, and th- where a person can find the podcast feed, it's always going to be r- just wide open. Uh, you can find it on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts and on your favorite podcast aggregator. And uh, the little, uh, little, little, little sauce that we have for the Apple Podcast listeners is that if you leave a review, um, we will do a dramatic recreation of that review. And if you don't want to leave a review and you're an Apple podcast user, don't forget to give us the five stars. Give us give us all the stars. One, two, three, four, and five. All the stars. Five uh, stars. Five stars. So, um, Patreon, I'm reading my notes and I'm realizing that we have to update those things. So, um, yeah, great. Thanks. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for everybody who's on Patreon. On Patreon.com slash walking through this. Hey, Zach, um, yes. if somebody wants to let me know that, uh, you know, my transition to my opening spiel to your contact spiel could totally be a lot smoother if I just plan ahead, how how might they do that? You know, if you needed, and even you know, if you had tips even to help Brent make this transition smoother, <laughs> you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. That is W A L K I N G T H R O U G H T H E S D A R G A T E at gmail.com. Or mm-hmm. you could find us on Twitter at Stargate Walking. Uh, Brent mostly talks about, does the stuff on the Twitter, whatever it is that's done, yes. done on Twitter, it's usually Brent. So you could contact yes. him on Twitter directly and have that conversation oh, yeah, that's, with him that's there. That's a good point. That's a great place. You could also do it on Facebook at Walking <laughs> Through the Stargate, the Facebook page or the Facebook group. But Brent doesn't usually look at those things very nah. often. So nah. going there to talk to Brent is probably not a great choice, but it's still available to you. I mean, you could go on there and try, you know, it's like one of those things where you're like writing a letter to somebody that you never send. Like you could do that. That, You could go onto Facebook and be like, dear Brent, your transitions stink. And I really think that you can do better. Love listener. And I would, I'd never see it. It's fine. That's true. Although I'll be honest (laughs) that if you were to write such a letter like that to Brent on Facebook, I promise you, dear listener, that I would ensure that Brent gets your message. Aw, oh, thanks. Because that's, that's really the kind. kind of friend that I am. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's the kind of friend to make sure that I don't miss out on a good drubbing. Yeah, so all good. There you all go. All good. 
of course, you can also uh, find us on fa- on uh, Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash walking mm-hmm. through the Stargate. Uh, do have a couple of uh, heads up for that. Uh, I did send out uh, several weeks ago uh, emails to our Patreon listeners uh, to uh, to uh, fill out a survey and get that back with their votes uh, for episodes to rewatch. Uh, sadly, I have to say that I have gotten one vote back. Uh, hey, now it is we a got vote one for one hundred days. So yeah, there you go. There's one vote for that. Uh, when we get to twenty votes for any single episode, we will rewatch that episode. We promise. Uh, those of you who received emails, note that you may have received more than one email with it. Uh, go ahead and fill that out multiple times as per the number of emails because we're all trying to uh, backdate all of this stuff because we were bad at the beginning. We're trying yeah. to get better at it. So go ahead it's... and fill those out. Send them in. If you have any questions, email us. We'll get yeah. you figured out and straightened out. It's a work in progress. And additionally, uh, a rewatch and a re uh, a recount of 100 days is currently only 19 votes away from happening. So that's if you true. want that to happen, get up on there and make it happen faster. Or if you think that's a terrible idea and something else should be reviewed, uh, currently we're on track to do 100 days. So, you know. That's right. 100 days is in the lead. Sway it. Uh, you know what's in the, the second place, Brent? Uh, Emancipation. Well, no! Emancipation. No! <laughs> 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 Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, it's so going to happen. I can tell. I just know it's going to happen and it's going to be terrible. Yeah. I think, well, can I give zero chevrons to something? It's our podcast. You can do whatever we can do whatever we want. want. I can, can I take away chevrons? <laughs> oh, okay. Good stuff. So there you go. Um, so shall we uh, shift from that tangent to the tangent of the episode? Yeah, let's talk about the tangent of the episode. Okay, so this episode of Stargate was directed by Peter DeLuise. This is Peter's sixth of eight directing credits this season. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's basically been doing every other one, um, although that will stop here pretty quickly because we have more than like four episodes left of the season. Yes. Uh, The teleplay for this episode is by Michael Cassett. And if you have never heard that name, that's not surprising. Uh, he This is his only Stargate SG-1 credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a producer and a writer known for Z Nation. Uh, that started in 2014. Strange Luck in 95 and Eerie Indiana in 91. In addition to his work in television, he has written over 30 short stories, predominantly in the genres of science fiction and fantasy. He has published several novels, including The Star Country in 1986, Dragon Season in 91, and Red Moon in 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, some of those, at least, were in collaboration with David S. Goyer. Um, Joseph Malozzi uh, wrote this about uh, Michael Cassett in one of his uh, blogs about this episode. Mm-hmm. He said Michael Cassett was the perfect guy to write this episode with his heavy science fiction background, mm-hmm. having written many short stories and novels in the genre, as well as countless nonfiction articles and hard sci-fi experience. He delivered the first he delivered a first draft that uh, any one of us would have been hard pressed to match for its authenticity in circumstances and terminology. Yes, for months after 
no joy on the burn became my go-to phrase whenever <laughs> I was disappointed with something, uh, be it a scripted scene, a production issue, or even my lunch order. Mm. So Use it for lunch orders. That's a good idea. No joy on the burn. No joy on the burn. Especially if you're going for something that has, you know, like maybe like a, like a, you know, a French onion soup with a little bit of like, you know, like a little bit of burn on the cheese, right? You know, there's no oh, joy on yeah. the burn. Yeah. A little oh, creme brulee. It, 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 no joy on not, the burn. No joy on the burn. It's not yeah. burned enough. No, that's right. No joy. All right. We do have several <laughs> guest actors to talk about here. Uh-huh. Uh, we are trying to get back onto tangent, not onto another tangent. Uh, <laughs> back on point. Back on point. Okay. We really need a sign or a cosign here, don't we? Oh, my God. Here's your sign. Get back on point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We have uh, Carmen Argenziano, uh, who played Jacob Carter and Selmac, is back. Well, uh, yes. Carmen. Yes. Colin Cunningham as Major Paul Davis mm-hmm. is back. Uh, we have the voice of Apophis, Peter Williams. Yay! In this episode. Yay, Peter Williams. 100% and, yay. And we add Stephen Williams, no relation, uh, who plays Lieutenant General Vidrim. Ah, nice. Stephen Williams was born January 7, 1949, in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. He's an actor and a director known for Jason Goes to Hell, The Final <laughs> Friday, <laughs> The Blues Brothers, and I, The X-Files. He did look a little familiar, and I think it's yep. Blues Brothers, because I've uh, seen that played, relatively uh, recently. So. He played Mr. X in The X-Files. Uh, he was also um, part of um, oh, Hill, uh, He's this, part of something else. This is this is something you know the 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 one show that Peter DeLuise was part of, the cop show, um, and now I can't remember what it is because I didn't write it down because I didn't think I needed to, and and then <laughs> now I know why the I cop didn't show write it that down. Peter DeLuise was a part of. Uh, I could look it up, but. Um, no, it wasn't, it, it wasn't Kung Fu the Legend Continues, right? No, that no, wasn't that one. No, 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 It was like, like, Hill Street Blues? Was that Starsky what it was? Starsky and Hutch? I don't know. No, it wasn't Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> uh, Whatever. See. So he was on that one, too. So he, he worked with Peter DeLuise too. on a cop show that Peter did before. Yep. So, gotcha. uh, anyway. Okay. So that was a really, really bad tangent. That was a bad tangent. All right. Um... <laughs> So, uh, Stephen Williams, uh, a couple things. We will see him again in a couple more episodes. So he'll come back as General Vidrine. Mm-hmm. Um, and his very first credit came in 1975 when he played Jimmy Lee in the movie Cooley High. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cooley High was a, a movie about... Uh, a Chicago near north side on Chicago's near north side in 1964. The mm-hmm. lives of four carefree high school seniors and best friends, including an aspiring playwright and an all city basketball champion, take a tragic turn. Oh no! Yeah, oh, no. it's apparently tragedy. a comma drama, comedy drama romance. Um, a rom a rom dramedy. Rom dramedy. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So. This episode, Tangent, originally aired on September 15, 2000. Mm-hmm. Number one on the charts was Music by Madonna. Music makes the people come together. Yeah. 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 And in the UK, mm-hmm. 
They were listening to Majo, or Mojo, or I'm not certain how you pronounce that, as he was singing, or she, whomever Majo is, Lady, Hear Me Tonight. <laughs> Lady, Hear Me Tonight. Yeah, we this. don't know. Don't know anything either, so the, you know what that means. We're going to be queuing it up in the background. Here okay. There it is. All right. So we're going to go from five to one in the box office. Number oh, five was are we? Space Cowboys, Still. because why not? Right. Uh, Space Cowboys inevitably get themselves injured, so they need Nurse Betty. Number ah, four. yes, yes. Uh, and Nurse Betty says, you really should stop doing whatever it is you're doing to get hurt. And they say, number three, bring it on. Ah, uh, yeah, yep, yep. yep. Uh, and then when they say bring it on, they're looking for some bad guys to fight and such, and they need a bait <laughs> to draw them in. Bait is number two. And then, of course, the Nurse Betty is sitting there just watching this all as a watcher eating her podcast her popcorn her podcast eating her <laughs> podcast <laughs> oh that is fantastic oh so good so but right. I, but I, I have a quick question though why are the space cowboys uh fighting bad guys such that they need bait because they're cowboys and they're oh. in space well, obviously, <laughs> I think that that explains itself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what more? Uh, what more do you? What need? more do you want? <laughs> Silly me for asking such questions. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, good. Good. I'm glad that that was. Uh, glad, glad that they were doing great in uh, in 2000. Yeah. Okay. So. <sighs> okay. What happened around? <laughs> September 15, 2000. Mm-hmm. On September 12, just a, three days before this episode aired, in mm-hmm. the Netherlands, they pass a law allowing same-gender marriage, adoption, and divorce. Nice. So, well done, uh, Holland. Mm-hmm. Uh, on September 15th, the 27th Olympic Games opens in Sydney, Australia. Oh, that's right. So, yeah, I vaguely remember that. So, go Olympic Games. Wahoo. Yay. Yay. Uh, on September 16th, Sammy Sosa of the Chicago Cubs becomes just the second player to hit 50 or more home runs in three consecutive years, joining Mark McGuire. Yep. All of this happened before the giant steroid oh, controversy yeah. that screwed up both of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. That's, uh, this, was, this was the golden era of batting oh, balls yeah. out of the park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Also on September 16th, the 25th Toronto International Film Festival occurs, and uh, winner the winner was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, uh, yeah. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I'll get that word out. Sure. Uh, directed by Ang Lee, mm-hmm. uh, and that wins, of course, the People's Choice Award there. Very good. All that right. was a good movie. I mean, let me rephrase that. I saw it once back then, so it's been 20 years, but at the time, I, it was a good movie. I you enjoyed know, it. Honestly, I have actually never seen that movie. Um, back in 2000 era, uh, I'm like, ooh, I should totally watch that movie. And so, I'm like, yeah, I should watch that movie. I think that, and I don't speak as an authority whatsoever, I have seen a number of early 21st century kung fu or martial arts movies, and they all have this really kind of supernatural style, which is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And so, yeah, I I do recommend it. Um, also, Kung Fu Hustle is a good one that I like. 
Uh, oh, what, what's the other? Shaolin Soccer? I think that's it. I think Shaolin Soccer is what. It's really, really good. It's it's like it's the story of a of a, speaking of tangent. Um, it's the story of like a, a like a little club soccer team uh in china somewhere that uh like is struggling it's like a like a big time soccer player like is down on his luck and he tries to assemble a team to come back and like you know his 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 former colleague is now like an evil (laughs) evil owner of a rival (laughs) soccer club and they and they end up using like all the Shaolin uh, uh, skill in order to win. Oh, it was so good! And of course, the, the, in the championship game, they face against uh, another another club that's also using um, uh, supernatural martial arts in order to to achieve victory. It's super good. It's so good. <laughs> okay. Anyway, it has nothing to do with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, or Tangent. I so, have never seen it. I don't know anything uh, about it. But, it's. It, but it, if you say yeah. it's good, I believe you. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot okay. of fun. All right. So, we do have some trivia for this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this episode, Zulu time is used several times. Uh, Zulu time is the same worldwide and does not change based on time zones. It's used mm-hmm. by NATO and the military, mm-hmm. especially in aviation, um, also civilian pilots, so that uh, everyone, regardless of their location, is using the same 24-hour clock and knows exactly the same what time it is. So, mm-hmm. that's what Zulu time is. Uh, that's wonderful. Um, there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, the external uh, special effects shots that are on P2C257, that's, of course, the planet where they meet uh, meet up with Jacob, mm-hmm. uh, are many of the same shots that are used in Season 2 episode Need. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. They just reuse some of those shots and uh, tweak them a little bit here or there. Yep. Also, a lot of, um, a lot of the, the space shots of gliders and, and things flying around are are reused and just tweaked a little bit here or there yeah. from previous episodes. Which makes um, sense. Which makes a lot of sense because that saves a ton of money. Oh, yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah. Um, Carter mentions the delay of communication to be three minutes due to the fact that a signal would take three minutes between the glider, which at the moment they're saying this is not too far from Jupiter mm. uh, and Earth. Uh, however... Uh, a three-minute delay would suggest that they were closer to Mars yeah. uh, than, than Jupiter. Uh, in the best-case scenario, Earth and Jupiter would be about 30 minutes delay away at the speed of light. Stick um, a pin in that one, but carry on. Uh, suffice to it to say, there are plenty of inaccuracies regarding space and distances and stuff. Yes. Um, uh, there were plenty of those in the various tri- the trivia's and goofs, and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to lump them all as. Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Now, one thing that was interesting as I was watching the commentary for this episode is that they had about twice as many visual effects shots as they had originally planned, mm-hmm. um, because a lot of the shots while they were in space, um, looking at the ship, uh, they had glass on the the canopy there. But the if they kept the glass there, then it reflected all of the the tech stuff. So the yeah. cameras and the lights and all of that right. stuff, and that was the naughty bits, as uh, uh, Peter DeLuise likes to call them. And so you don't mm-hmm. want that. So they had to take the glass out. However, when you take mm-hmm. the glass out, it looks clearly like there's no glass. And so they had to, uh, in post, add the glass effect to oh, most of those shots, um, which I thought was really, really fascinating. Yeah, and so I definitely remember in one shot, it was 
quite evident there was no glass in the canopy. And I was just sitting there like, well, yeah, that makes sense because the lights off, on, you know, the lighting is off on that side, which would totally super illuminate the far side of the canopy and probably reflect all the camera stuff on the near side of the canopy. Right. Like I was sitting there like, right. yeah, of course you take the glass off. Um, and, uh, you know, and then carrying on. Um, but that they uh, but that they felt like it was going to be a glaring continuity error so that such that they had to re-add, you know, glass effect back. That's that's interesting. I find that yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, um, the uh, uh, when they get to Jupiter and they fly past Jupiter, that actually is a a, a camera shot of Jupiter. Nice. Uh, from one of the various um, uh, telescopic shots of Jupiter or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yep. Bringing it back fast to that three minute thing, that line was said kind of shortly after. Uh, they lost control of the glider and were on their way. And so I didn't really pay attention to the time stamps, um, you know, on the messages back and forth when everybody was by Jupiter. Right. Oh, you know what? Also, yeah. Okay. I bet you some of the trivia and goofs were talking about how if you were moving so fast as to get from Earth to Jupiter in this amount of time, you would be past Jupiter like in a blink. And, you know, those little rockets would do nothing and you did it wrong anyway and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, I was interpreting that three minute thing to be um, applicable to that very specific moment relatively shortly after the glider left Earth. So, right. you know, it's it's, quote, nearby, unquote. Um, and then, of course, the lag is just getting worse and worse and worse as as they're as they're zooming away. But uh, whatever. Yeah, there was there was there was a bundle of uh, there was a bundle, which is really, really interesting because. Uh, getting cart before horse just a tad uh, that yeah there was a bunch of little technical things that I'm like well that's not exactly right and that's the wrong way you do or- orbital dynamics but I've said this before television shows never get orbital dynamics right ever ever right. and so you know you, you get a pass you're trying to make a TV show you can't show the boring reality of space flight and what it actually I speak like I've been in space no but I've done enough space simulators to know many things um but uh yeah it's boring and you you got to make it exciting obviously but uh I lost my train of thought I went on such a far of a tangent I don't remember where I was going oh well uh how'd you bring it back Zach well okay so one of the things that they did mention in the commentary is Peter and uh I think Jim Menard I think that's no uh Titchener James Titchener, that's who it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the visual effects coordinator. Uh, they were talking about this, and, uh, you know, in the space things, in this one, they tried to use uh, all three axes. Um, right, okay. In, in, in things, which is what you ought to do when you're in space, because mm-hmm. things operate in all three axes. But they contrasted that to several other uh, science fiction shows where Basically, when you get into space, uh, everything is stuck on the same z-axis, uh, and and so you just use the two. Um, and they were making comments that uh, you know, as as a as a film creator, as a creator of of this type of content, you need to make a decision what you're going to do and how you're going to do it, and then just run with it. Uh, yes. because there are different things uh, that you use those things for, and uh, you know, like you said, when you're in space. Uh, you're going to get it wrong in some place, and so you just kind of run with what the story needs at the time. Yeah. And if uh, you get in, if you get into the realm of uh, plausible, uh, or at least 
not so implausible that I'm pulled out of it completely and utterly, uh, I'll give you a pass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, so. yeah. I, I've I've given up long ago trying to be a you know nitpicky when it comes to television show movies. On the other hand, especially like biographies, like I like it when they take the time to get it right. So a lot of these uh, Apollo movies that have been coming out fairly recently, <laughs> fairly recently. <laughs> I am literally referencing everything from Apollo thirteen in ninety four through uh, First Man, which came out, what, like a year or two ago? So, like, never mind. Um, so that's not recently at all. But, uh, you know, I, I appreciate when they take the time to to be correct with things. Sure. Um, you know, but if, a TV show... If you're show, talking about something that happened in the past, say Apollo yes. 13 or the like, right. uh, then in that situation, we, we have uh, definitive, clear uh, a notion of, of, of how it's supposed to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so do that, show that, yes, make that. Um, when you start getting into the realm of of space fantasy uh, and and space opera and whatnot, now uh, you know by all means be as accurate as you can. But for me, give me a good story that absolutely, and and, and I'll kind of chuckle at the the scientific inaccuracies and then move on. Yep, yep. So, um. The title in this episode, in different languages, in mm-hmm. French and Italian, they call it Lost in Space. Lost in Spanish, space. they call it Tangents. So Plural. not just the one, yeah. but many tangents. More than Like one. this episode. Mm-hmm. Like this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the Czech calls it the Experimental Flight. Oh, yeah. Hungarians uh-huh. call it Trajectory, and Germans call oh, it yeah, Rescue yeah. in Space. Kind of a, you know... Putting a tail Seriously, right there <laughs> on the uh, how are they so consistently like? Get, just give it away already. Like, <laughs> I mean, how's this? Honest, how's this show going to uh, end? You know, Germany. We knew that oh, the title character space. Richard Dean Anderson wasn't going to die in space because you know his name appears before the name of the series. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that tells you a lot right there. Now, if that's they right. had put uh, Samantha Carter in the seat behind Teal, that's another story. Uh, no, they they wouldn't do that. Of course either. not. Of course not. Of course not. So anyway, uh, but yeah. Um, so suffice it to say, there you have it. Yes. Okay. Well, shall we uh, dig into the synopsis here? Yeah, let's get into this thing. All righty, here we go. Let's stand outside, looking awkward on a landing strip, looking at the sky, and look at that. There's a vehicle approaching us. No, it's not the X301 that will be flying over in just a little bit. This is the four-wheeled variety that contains not one, but two Air Force generals. Ah. Major General George Hammond <laughs> and Lieutenant General. That's a three-star general for all you noobs out there. Hint, yes, I'm a noob. I wouldn't have been able to know that, except this episode actually calls him Lieutenant General. Maurice the yeah. Dream. Colonel, General, Major, General, Doctor, <laughs> General. Side note real fast. Uh, last time, I think that we were making a joke about how uh, Carter got a second star, and I think I called him a brigadier. I have no idea if that's accurate or not, because I'm also a noob. Anyway, uh, carrying on. Carter? No, you mean Hammond? Hammond's Hammond. always had two stars. Yeah, but what, you know, we made the joke about how he got that second star by fast-forwarding on a tape. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Sorry. That's right. Sorry, I still cracked myself. Anyway, I'm uh, tangent. I, <clears throat> carrying I, on. I, I think, isn't, isn't the one star the brigadier general? That's what that's what I was thinking, but I know that's like in the army, and I have no idea about. That I don't know. Major general is two stars. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
Unless I'm wrong, in which case, <laughs> correct. We'll find me. out. Right. All right. Uh, so let's let's get back onto the this tangent. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, they're all here to witness the aforementioned X three hundred one piloted by Teal'c, a hybrid craft made from two dual death gliders and good old American know how. It's a pretty sweet ride. No one really knows how it works, but psh, don't care about that. It does. <laughs> Wait a and minute. You just said good old American know-how. No one really knows how it works. <laughs> I didn't catch that until just now. Anyway, sorry. I, I'm, I, I'm quoting the episode right I know here. you are. I know you are. <laughs> and that's why I'm laughing. So, carrying on. Uh, also, Vadrine is not terribly impressed with O'Neill's humor. Tilk flies by, blowing out the windows of the cars. Incidentally, that cool trick uh, didn't work on all of the windows, and Peter DeLuise was kind of torqued off that not all of the windows broke, even though all of the windows were supposed to break. Uh huh. <laughs> all right. Then the X301 does a couple of barrel rolls without any worry of G forces. Like I said, it's a pretty sweet ride. The next test is an aerial combat test. O'Neill will be Tilk's co pilot, and the SGC will serve as mission control. As the two fly around, suddenly the X-301 points straight up and proceeds to fly out of the atmosphere and into the depths of space. Space. Teal'c and O'Neill have lost control, and they are ballistic. As they speed through the empty space of the solar system, the voice of Apophis begins, calmly informing the traitors that they will die in the cold of space. (laughs) 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 Apophis is a jerk. He is a jerk. He doesn't deserve Aff- to be. Anyway, sorry. All right, all right. Affected by the time lag it takes for radio signals to reach the X301, Majors Carter and Davis at the SGC, along with O'Neill and Teal'c on the glider, collaborate on a plan to slingshot them around Jupiter. They plan to use the missile rockets to nudge their trajectory so that they can slingshot around Jupiter. And, and yes, uh, they did get to Jupiter really quickly, but yeah, they only need a nudge, so don't just a nudge just a nudge Uh, unfortunately the plan does not succeed while their trajectory was nudged it wasn't enough to save the day uh what's more one of the rockets broke away from the x301 and proceeded to slam into the craft fortunately however no one was injured and the windshield is still intact unfortunately with no other options the two are required to shut down as much as they can to conserve power and more importantly oxygen Concurrently with all of this, Dr. Jackson contacts their space flight-capable allies for help. The Tolan aren't close enough. And a niece of the Tok'ra, hey, nod to a niece. Haven't seen mm-hmm. her for a while, won't see her ever again, but we do get to hear her name in this one. <laughs> a niece yes. of the Tok'ra doesn't have anything for them. But she does hint that there may be a Teltac with a day within a day's travel of Earth, but... She wouldn't give any more information so as not to endanger the Tok'ra operative, an operative that is important to both Earth and the Tok'ra. Carter and Jackson spend some time to figure things out and figure out where the operative is, and they head there to plead for help. There they are discovered by the operative, none other than Jacob Carter himself, who is initially really pissed at them. Until they tell him what the problem is, he calms down immediately, and they all take off to help their endangered companions. It will take them about 24 hours to get to Earth. Hopefully, they can get there in time. 
Mm-hmm. However, with only 12 hours of air remaining, you know, let's do the math, 24 minus 12, <laughs> uh, Teal'c decides <laughs> that he's going to go into an extremely deep state of Kelnorim. Fortunately, it's Teal'c up there who can go into a deep state of Kelnorim, other than, otherwise they would be completely screwed here. Yes. So, yay for Teal'c. Uh, he goes into a deep state of Kelnorim to give them at least the small possibility of being alive when a rescue arrives. O'Neill wonders who he's going to talk to for the next 24 hours. A moment of deep <laughs> friendship is held between the two as they say their goodbyes to one another without saying their goodbyes. Mm-hmm. Jacob pushes the cargo ship beyond maximum safe velocity, resulting in the hyperspace engines crashing within spitting distance of not one, but two Hatak vessels. Not a particularly good part of town. Mm-mm. Daniel stalls them by saying he is the great and powerful Oz while Samantha and Jacob attempt to get the engines up and running again. The Hatak vessels launch some gliders in response to the great and powerful Oz, but uh, the carters are able to quickly repair the engines, and they re-enter hyperspace before the gliders can attack. Woohoo! They're safe. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Upon arrival, Teal'c and O'Neill are asleep, very near death. They, they need a nudge. And so Jacob obliges by piloting the cargo ship very carefully and bumping into the X-301. The nudge wakes O'Neill, but suffering from lack of oxygen, he's kind of drunk and very loopy. Carter looks over the chasm of space and waves. Hi, Colonel! (laughs) Carter, is that you? Yeah. She convinces him to wake Tilk, which he does by chucking a pen at Tilk's head, and then therefore prepare for a rescue. The cargo ship moves into position. The colonel and Jaffa breathe in the last of the O2. They pop the hatch and float away from the glider into the cold abyss of space. The cargo ship rings open and envelop the two oxygen-deprived heroes. They are ringed aboard the ship and immediately collapse onto the floor. Poof. But they'll be okay. Yay! A little while later, the SGC receives the message from Sam that Jack and Teal'c have been rescued. The control room erupts with joy at the news, complete with the obligatory tossing of paper into the air, because, <laughs> you know, that's how you celebrate joy. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> the end. <laughs> the end. <laughs> so, Brent. Yeah. Tangent. Mm-hmm. This tangent, not any of the other tangents we've been talking about. Which are multitudinous. What'd you think? I like this one. I had a good time. Um, so, yeah, it's true that there was a little bit of, uh, of curmudgeonly uh, moments there with, uh, with, with the maths that, um, that I was like, that's not how math works. And that's not how you would do that. Try to do some kind of a slingshot maneuver. If you're going that fast, that's not what you do, but whatever. Um. And uh, only a nudge. <laughs> no, dude, you're talking about a whole ton of Delta V. Super props. Yeah, I was really glad to hear about the writer on this thing because of all of the correct terminology that was used in a whole lot of spots. It was a lot of fun to, to, to listen to folks talk about it in ways that is how it is, how, how, how it is, how it is done. Um, and that was very enjoyable. The um, the story itself, I got to tell you, man, I was on the edge of my seat pretty much the whole time. Um, how it was going to resolve, like on paper, it was exactly how they said they were going to resolve it. And, uh, having a, you know, a, a 90 second delay, um, with a couple of attack ships seems like a little bit, um, 
I'll use the word superfluous, but but not in a bad way. It didn't really detract. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Like, of course, they drop out of their little hyperspacey thing. And of course, there's two attack ships that are like basically right there. Right. Like, Absolutely. you know, that, that's that's a perfect that's a perfectly bad situation to happen out in the middle of space. So, you know, like and yet it happened. Um, but it did feel like I was watching a like a James Bond chase scene where basically if you sum it up, um, it technically is possible for a human being to have everything go right like it does in a James Bond chase scene. And this is what we kind of have here. Um, but, you know, would it happen in real life? Heck no. No way, man. There'd be so there'd be so many things about this plan that would go wrong that would require like, well, that that, that was it. That was our one shot. And it's not working anymore. Um, yeah, like gobs and gobs and gobs of things had to go right but within the context of a television show like i was i was hanging in there i was hanging in there um like uh, you know of course there was an operative a stone's throw away of course it was jacob carter of course they knew the 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 gate address already of course as soon as they they didn't know the gate address before they had to calculate and figure that out although they had been there before that's right you know, like, it, you know, of course, of course, it was a, pl- a place that they knew that they could just go to. Right. Like it, 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 when putting it all together, it's a little like doing um, like probability die rolls. Right. Like, you know, how how probable is it to get uh, 1020s in a row? Well, that's what they did. Um, you know, uh, everything worked out just fine. And so in that respect, it kind of makes it a simple story, but it was still no less exciting for me. Um, you know, like it, 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 it kind of was a guarantee that everything was going to work out in the end. But on the other hand, like, you know, I mean, like as, as the time was ticking down, you know what I think half of it was, was that, uh, you know, I'll bring it back to the actors and their characters, right? Like it's just, it's, it's gelled. It is gelled. And so each person being authentically their character goes a very long way so that every single scene is um, fun to watch just to watch the characters be themselves. And, you know, and, and uh, you know, I think one of the things uh, uh, that encapsulate, encapsulates that is the scene at the end, the rescue scene at the end where they are able to wake up Car- or, um, O'Neill and, uh, you know, his his action and reaction in that moment, uh, you know, his his foggy ability to kind of understand things, but yet still be authentically O'Neill. Um, you know, the the way that he decides to wake up Teal by throwing a pen in his helmet, the way that Teal <laughs> kind of pops open, like you know, and of course springs to action because that makes you know that makes all the sense in the world about a, how, how that would happen with a Jaffa. But you know, like it was good. It was good. Um, the control room scenes, I. I the control room scenes were suitably tense, you know, tossing paper in the air. That was so freaking cliche, but you know, like it was visually nice, like watching all the paper flutter down. Sure. Um, and you know, watching. So uh, who, I can't recall the uh, guest actor's name, the guy that plays the Colonel or the, um, corporal. I don't know. Major one dude, major Davis, major, major Davis. That's it. The Oak leaf. Um, you know, he, he did a good job too. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, there was so much about it. Um, you know, Donis Davis was doing a pretty good job. He was kind of doing the stoic general thing, you know, and didn't deviate too much from that. So in that respect, it's not, you know, but that, that scene, was a challenge. That scene but when, when uh, you know, O'Neill says, okay, I'm going to try to get some sleep. My head hurts. I'm yeah, like dying right. here. And, and 
you get that close-up shot of of Davis and Hammond standing there by the screens, mm-hmm. and and they're listening to this, and and Davis looks up at at the the general and says, "Do we send anything a message?" And the general's like, "Well, do we have anything to tell him?" No. Well, then just right. let him sleep. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's such a simple scene. Uh, it's not hard dialogue, but that scene just encapsulates that moment. I mean, you, it, it it makes the emotion of that moment real. Yeah. Um, I mean, they yeah. are listening to a good friend and colleague, one that they have, you know, a depth of relationship with. They're listening to him basically say his last words right yeah um and and they have to hold that moment and honor that moment and it happens mm-hmm. and not everybody can do that and and davis and cunningham can both do that yeah uh, they did it. Yeah, I you're right. That, that it, it's it's Major Davis, but it's also Don S. Davis. So I was talking about the actor oh, Davis yeah, 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 and yeah, and yeah, the yeah, actor yeah. Cunningham. Uh, yeah. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Keeping it straight. There you go. Keeping it straight yep. since 2018. Um, yeah. No, it was. Yeah, I I really had a good time with this one. Um, the setup was a little cheesy. I don't know, but they made it pay off, right? Like, yeah, the setup was cheesy. And yeah, I kind of had that chuckle just now. Well, hearty laugh about Amer- good old American know-how where they don't know how it works. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I mean, like for as, um, uh, maybe best said, like as improbable as the story was, it didn't go off its rails. And so it was, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, well, it was a rocket off into the to the land of of the suspended disbelief, but it never it never bucked me off of it. So yeah. you know, like it, we went on a tear on this one, but uh, each part of it was just plausible enough that it I was hooked. I was I just held on the whole time, and it turned out to be a fun ride. So what do yeah. you think? Uh, you know, I I like this episode too. Uh, it's a good episode. Um, some of the things that that I like about this episode, uh, I, I would. Uh, agree with what you said. I would echo much of what you say there. Um, on the flip side, since I've seen this episode so many times, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, the ride is not as exciting for me anymore. Right, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, you get on that roller coaster the first time you ride on that roller coaster and it is just exciting and every zigzag and, and jerk over there uh, is is you know, amazing and wonderful. Uh, the the third or fourth or fifth time you go on that ride, uh, it's not any less exhilarating, but you now aren't surprised by any of the, the zigs and the zags. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so... You know that initial uh, exhilaration uh, is is not there. However, mm-hmm. this and I still enjoy this episode. Uh, one of the things that I really like about this episode is that it continues a story here in in the n- n- meta narrative. Uh, a, uh, you recall in the episode Touchstone, what back in season early season three, I think. I can't mm-hmm. remember for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, they go to Area Fifty One to check in on the second Stargate. Yep. Uh, uh, you know, and, and of course they're looking for that touchstone device that that uh, Mayborn stole, basically. And, right. Uh, you know, right. all of that. But when they get there and they're walking through, uh, they make a passing reference to scientists in Area 51 messing around with those two death gliders that they got. When, oh, yeah, that's right. Right? 
Yeah. So so that's brought back here. Um, the mission of Stargate Command is to seek out technology uh, and allies that will help them against the Gua'uld. And mm-hmm. here now we see uh, that happening. You know, we've got this plane here that uh, is admittedly we, we, we lost it because it went on a tangent. Uh, yeah. But but uh, <laughs> you know, we we had that hybrid of um, of Earth technology and Gua'uld technology put together uh, to make this happen. And and the very, I mean, the fact that they were able to build this craft in the first place is astounding. Yeah. Um, even yes. if it was built with two halves of a downed death glider. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so that type of expanding of, of their technology in some ways is really exciting for me. Mm-hmm. Um uh, so you get to see that. Also, and I just kind of thought about this. Um, I don't know if this is intentional or not, but it certainly fits in here when they're on the cargo ship and they're flying back and the ship, you know, the hyperspace uh, engine dies on them and they have to go back mm-hmm. and fix it. Well, mm-hmm. Carter goes back with Carter and learns a little bit about fixing Gould ships. Right. And now our scientist, our hero, uh, Sam Carter has now more information and more knowledge about how uh, Google technology operates. And so yep. she's learned some there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, all of these little things here uh, really just kind of tie things together uh, to kind of expand the knowledge of uh, the Stargate humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that I, I find just fascinating. Um, I- and this is, of course, a character piece. Um, yes. One of the things that they talked about heavily uh, in the commentary uh, is Peter DeLuise got the script of this. And I'm like, okay, so uh, drawing a little bit on the Apollo 13 stuff, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of a ship in space that's in trouble and we got to save the day and all of that stuff. Uh, but in that, uh, your characters who are trapped get to look at each other and interact with each other. And in this, because of the nature of the ship, uh, they can't see each other. Right. They can't look at each other. Um they're they're both stuck looking forward, and mm-hmm. and he was concerned about well how do you, how do you tell that story how do you make it interesting when when they can't interact like that, and yet uh, it happens mm-hmm. it 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 works uh, you see that connection between the two as they talk over each other's shoulders basically at each other um, and and uh, make that connection uh, and and so it's that character thing that draws them together um, that is just wonderful. And then you get yeah. some good humorous moments from O'Neill, especially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Vidrine is a, an especially dry colonel. <laughs> I mean, not colonel, general. Mm-hmm. Um, but that works. Um, it, it, the pieces just fit together. The pieces just kind of fit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think I think that uh, they might have been flirting with disaster. Eh, maybe, right? Like, the pieces work. Uh, but they were spinning that thing up pretty fast. And, uh, you know, if any one of those parts had flown off, it would have really done some damage to the story. Uh, you know, it was just, it, I mean, everything was just flirting with Deus Ex Machina, but never quite getting there, right? Like, it, each yeah. one was buyable just enough. And it was good. I mean, yeah, you're right. And so it allowed for... Uh, it allowed for some of that character exposition, right? It yeah. allowed for uh, putting Sam in a spot. You're right. Putting Sam in a spot where she's learning a little bit more about the technology. Yeah. Putting Car- uh, putting Jackson in a spot where he is interacting. 
albeit foolishly, with uh, um, with the ghoul Uld, uh, you know, in a way that uh, I don't know on their own terms, uh, in a manner yeah. of speaking. Well, and you um, also get you get uh, you get another reference to Wizard of Oz uh, here, uh, which yep, yep. there's all sorts of references to Wizard of Oz throughout the entire series. Um, and mm-hmm. of course, Jackson, like, so, uh, hit that button, talking ghoul wooled, and then, uh, stall him. Right. Why? And he's like, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, I've been in moments like that. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I mean, okay, no, I've never been on a Teltec having to worry about speaking in <laughs> ghoul wooled mm-hmm. to try to convince the ghoul mm-hmm. wooled not to kill me. Uh, but there have been moments well, where, where I've been thrown into a situation where I'm like, uh, I, I, oh, yeah. Uh, 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 and, and the Absolutely. fact that he's like, uh, Oz, sure, yeah, that works. Well, but I think, didn't he, didn't he say, didn't he identify himself as Oz after he heard his voice echoed and amplified? I mean, I'm just realizing just now, I think, I think the order was, you know, something to the tune of identify yourself. Oh, maybe not. So the reason why I, I, I can't I, remember the exact order. Yeah, the, the reason why I was pausing was because you know th- that look on his face that he got after he heard his own voice go back, like you know, clearly is, is inspiring some level of confidence in him, so that he then goes on and, and and keeps the act up for a little bit. But if if he says something first and then identifies himself as Oz, I wonder if that was a real nice subtle nod about how like the character of the wizard in the wizard of oz had that kind of like voice amplification thing at least in the movie right you know like he had this you know who he was in real life was not the projection obviously and so you know who daniel was in real life was not the projection that got told afterwards which mimics that sort of that same structure i don't know maybe i'm reading too far into it you know, anyway. I, I, I love the tangent that you're trying to make there. I go uh, on so uh, many tangents. It, it, it actually works. I think I think there are some connections there. I have a sneaking suspicion that that, that is something that you are adding to it that wasn't part of the original thought. Uh, I am even good at the, retcon. the metaphoric thought of things. Yeah. Um, but it does work. I think it does. Alas. I think there's something there. There might be something there. But yeah. Yeah. This uh, was a good time. I will time. say, though, Brent, you mentioned earlier that for this episode to work, you have to roll like, 10 natural 20s in a row yes. and how likelihood is that well okay I'll be honest I've never rolled 10 natural 20s in a row that said in a recent uh, RPG game I did roll three ones in a row yeah that's that's uh, surely now let's go I mean, on a change that was um, bad. surely surely there has been a time where you've rolled three 20s in a row no never are you sure I, I'm certain I'm certain. I, I, I will say that I'm sure there's times when I have rolled two 20s in a row or yes. rolled two, two uh, D20s and gotten 20s on both of them to come up. Uh, uh-huh. uh, I'm certain that that has happened. I have never in-game rolled three ones in a row up until uh, a week and a half ago. Yeah, that, that, that must uh, that, have been. That was um, rough. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I'm surprised the table remained upright. Frankly, uh, <laughs> not well, because not because you're the kind of person to flip a table, but just because three ones in a row would make a person who doesn't flip a table flip a table. Yeah, yeah. Well, so this was an online game, and so if I'd flipped a table, I would have knocked all of my equipment off the table, um, and that would have been bad. That would have been bad. Uh, that would have been bad. If, if there is a metaphoric way of flipping the table, uh, yeah, 
yeah, they're... And of course, those three ones that I rolled were not the only ones rolled at the table. By the way, I had rolled an additional one later on in the day. <laughs> Julie's looking at me and saying, tangent. <laughs> yeah, we're on a tangent. Okay. Well, I mean, come on. That's what this episode's titled. It so, is. You know. It is. But it's a good tangent. It's, it's a, a good, good tangent. tangent. It's a lot of fun. That's right. And Julie's like, no, no, it's not. But Get on okay. with it. Get on with it. Yeah, okay. All right. So, Brent. Yeah. Is there anything that you need to add to tangent, to this tangent? Nah, uh, I'm good. Okay. So then I like ask I said you. I my piece. Yeah. Seven chevrons is the mm-hmm, top. Mm-hmm, unless mm-hmm. you, you know, go to the eighth chevron, which is a legitimate mm-hmm. possibility. Mm-hmm. How many chevrons will you give this tangent? So um, I really did like it quite a lot. Um, we'll start with my logic for, uh, you know, why would I give something eight? Because it has transformed my mind in what is possible for the story. That didn't happen here. Um, seven is just like firing on all cylinders and just a wonderfully flawless, almost weep inducing piece of television. And six is so close, but not quite there. Um, I'm gonna give this I'm gonna give this a seven. I'm gonna give it a seven. And the reason why that's not a that's not a full-throated like I'm giving it a seven is because there was those little technical doodads right there in the middle that like I was like, well, that's not actually how it would go. But as I said earlier, like, you know, it, everything had to go right uh for me to enjoy the story, and it did. I mean, I think that's probably a decent way to say it. Not so much that everything had to go right in the story for it to work out. No, everything had to go right in the telling of the story for Brent to enjoy it. And Brent did. And they, which, which is a testament to the, to the craft, right? It was directed. Great. It was acted. Great shot. Great story was good. Story was tight. Story was fast paced in the way places that I need to be fast paced. Honestly, when it was uh, getting towards the end of the episode, I thought to myself, wait a minute, like how much is this like an extra long episode? Not because it was feeling long, but because there was so much stuff that happened in the episode, even though it was all related. And turns out, you know, I still had like four minutes to go before the episode ended. Um, like, that's a good, that's a good time. That's a good time. Would I watch this one again? I bet you that if this turns into one where there's a rewatch on it, I don't think I would give it seven because of what you said. Um, I, already, now, I, know, I now know the whole thing. Right. I now know how the how the whole thing plays out. And would I be watching it again for watching the actors play the characters? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But would I be sitting on the edge of my seat going, what's going to happen next? How, how are they going to get up? Like, how's this going to how's, how's this going to work? Uh, no, because I will have seen now how everything has worked and it won't be quite as suspenseful. But for this viewing this time, I had a lot of fun. I'm giving it seven. How about seven. you? Seven. I'm I'm a little bit surprised, but it was fun. You know, I, I, I you are allowed to rate whatever you want, whatever you want. Yeah, except for Bane. Bane should not have a seven. Bane absolutely <laughs> deserves a seven. Bane is the height of television. <laughs> all television for all there time. You go. I keep saying um, this. <laughs> yep. Um, I enjoy this episode. This is a good episode. Um. You know, the the only thing that this episode fails at, and, and fail is perhaps a little bit of a strong word, uh, is 
is uh, some of the the science spacey stuff uh, mm-hmm. in terms of you know distances and trajectories and and how the the physics would actually work in in such times. Right. That said, they do at least nod to it uh, the recognition that there would be uh, uh, a time lag as you yep. communicate with one another. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it the correct times? No. Um, you know the 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 speeds are a little bit weird. Uh, when they get to the end of the episode, it feels as if the the ships are static in space. Uh, this whole thing would be really hard to do if you're moving at a million miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a, just a hint. That's really really fast. Yeah, yeah. That was another one. Um, where I'm like, all right, yeah. Um, but you know, all of that. It's still a good story. Uh, is it a seven worthy? No, it's not a seven worthy. I think that this episode for me actually, uh, I'm going to give it a. Go with your gut. Okay, I'm going to give it a five and a half. Yeah. Uh, it's a five and a half. It's a good, good story. Uh, it, it does, it's got great qualities uh, in the episode itself. It also has uh, good uh, things that move the meta narrative of the series forward. Uh, mm-hmm. I like all of that. Um, and so, but, but no, I can't give it uh, higher than that just because. No, yeah. Uh, the, a lot of the tension doesn't exist after the fifth watching. Yeah, precisely. I completely stand by my seven because it is a result of the first time I've seen it. And sure I can enough. tell you right now, a second viewing would not be nearly as enjoyable as this one was. For sure. All right. So, Brent. Yeah. We have some predictions. Yay! All right. Yeah. Here we go. I can't wait. I bet you. I bet you. Okay. I'm going to do a prediction of the predictions. Here we go. Okay. I predict that most people are going to be much more in your camp than mine. They're going to be much more in the five zone than seven zone. That's what I predict. Okay. So, uh, Justin, your friend. Of mine, hey, Justin. He says, I'm feeling optimistic. Sixes all around. That was pretty close. If you average our scores out, that's almost like almost it. That's true. Uh, Julie says. Mm-hmm. Hi, Julie. A bold prediction, five and a half from both. Ah, five and a half ah. for you right on the money. Yep, yep. Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah. Incidentally, uh, Julie, yes, is the one that lives in my house. And yes. no, Julie does not. Uh, I, I don't share her what my predictions are. Um, so she doesn't really have a lot of insider knowledge. I will also point out that uh, she is as likely to get my numbers wrong as right. So... There you go. Fair, but she does have a lot of insider knowledge in that she knows you very well. That is true. That yes. is true. But carrying Still. on. Yes. Okay, carrying on. JD. Hey, JD. Apophis keeps coming on. Keeps on coming, baby. That's what he says. I know. I know. He says five from Zach and four from Brent. Yeah, you know, that's a good That's a good read. Now, um, if, I had, if I had gotten my grumpy pants on and got on about Apophis again, you're right. I would have dragged it down, but uh, yep. I had a fun time with the ride. Uh, now, to be fair, the, this Apophis here is a po- as an Apophis from prior to his uh, collapse. So there you go. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Okay, okay, okay. Anyway, carrying on. Anyway, but still, okay. he's, but, but Apophis, right. there's still Apophisy stuff. All right. Kimberly says. Hi, Kimberly. 
we get to see SG-1 develop their tech with consequences. Great character moments between Jack yep. and Teal'c. Zach, five and a half. Right Brent, on the money. Five. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Yep, that's yep. all right. Uh, uh, you know, as you were talking, I was actually surprised that you hit seven. I was like, okay, so based on what he's talking about, he's going to go six. He's totally hitting a six. Uh, may, maybe a five. That's kind of thinking in my head. And then he's like, I'm going to go seven. I'm like, wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I was not, not expecting that. Okay. We have one more prediction on Facebook here. It's from Jacqueline. Hey, Jacqueline. I love this episode, she says, mm-hmm. and I think Brent will, too, even if it kind of reintroduces Apophis into the show. Yeah, So Apophis. I am going to say that Zach is getting five and a half stars, or chevrons. You're kidding. She, okay, yeah. And yeah. Brent is going to say six chevrons. So close! Ah! So, so, you know, if you had actually gone what I thought you were going to do in my head, yeah. Yeah. Jacqueline, you would have gotten it perfect. Right on the money. Right on the money. Okay. So close. So close. So we do yeah, have some no. emails. Yeah, I had a good time. Oh, yeah, emails. Yes. We have some emails. We have Arnacht again. Hi, Arnacht. Arnacht. Tangent is a middling episode, he says. Mm-hmm. It has a few plot holes and scientific <laughs> goofs, which mm-hmm. Brent probably won't like. This is, True. however, the first time we see the Tauri acquire any sort of spacefaring craft, which is exciting. Yes, that's true. Especially yes. for a new fan like Brent. I predict mm-hmm. that Zach mm-hmm. will give this episode four and a half chevrons, mm-hmm. and Brent mm-hmm. will give it five. Yeah, quite close. Yep, there you go. Uh, so that is our I mean, knowledge. I guess, uh, in one respect. No, I gave it a seven, and five is not close to seven. The reason why I keep saying quite close is because, and you know, like, it's a seven because it was my first time. You never forget your first time, Zach. You never forget <laughs> your first time. Never forget but, your first time. But... A subsequent rewatching, it's not going to be anywhere close to as exciting. Like, it's it's definitely like a 5-6 zone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We have David. Hey, David. Candle-burning ritual buffer, he says. <laughs> Are we about to partake of a candle-burning ritual? <laughs> yes. Let's forget about that traveling at a million miles per hour. It yep. will take over two weeks to get to Jupiter. And the other space travel nonsense. Let's forget about the fact that our two <laughs> heroes are not going to die. Right. That's all okay, willful fair. suspension of disbelief stuff. Okay. What makes this episode really good is the X-301. Finally, we get to see that they are building spaceships. That's fair. Doing yes. stuff besides just gating to some unknown planet and interacting with people from other civilizations that mm-hmm. obviously speak English perfectly. <laughs> this time we find out that they are actually doing core mission work to acquire and use to defend stuff. Mm-hmm. This is a huge leap in the overall narrative of the show. Even if this first experimental craft was a even if this first experimental craft was a booby-trapped failure. Yeah. Also, there's some funny bits, some drama, excitement, and adventure, and a candle-burning ritual. Yeah, yes. Brent, six chevrons because of the implications of the X-301 and for the funny stuff. Zach, six chevrons as well, but I can't come up with a reasoning beyond him just liking this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Quite close. Yeah, we didn't really talk about the X-301 that much. 
No, we didn't. I th- no. I thought it was. Um, I thought the X three hundred one was a bit of a throwaway, but I'm not sure why I was thinking. Maybe because we didn't really see it come back. Right? They just kind of left it out in space, or at least it well, was implied. They they did basically abandon it. I mean, it was a yeah. failed craft. Yes. It is a failed craft, right? Yeah. Um. So you know, I kind of put it out of my mind. But 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 David, your point is very well taken. Yes. Um. When the promo which you made, hmm, which makes me think that you were leading me into this. Um, uh, you know, th- the fact that the 301 was there was not lost on me, right? Like it, like, like that we are using Gould tech to try to create spacecraft. I'm like, yes, I am. I am for this. Let's make this happen. Uh, you and me, Zach, we didn't talk an awful lot about it today. Um, yeah, partly because I kind of viewed it as a, as a bit of a booby trap dud, just like, like, like it was said, but, but that's a good point. Yeah, like that matters, man. Sorry, I'm just having a moment here. I think my seven just got a little stronger. Ooh, yeah. Does it does it does it go up to an eight? No, of course not. Okay, okay, okay. No, <laughs> just, just so, so you ridiculous. had a, so like like last week you had uh, a, a, a or a couple weeks ago it was a strong or a weak something and I yeah it was whatever. a week uh, six I think is what I had week last six time. It was a week uh, six this one this one here was kind of a week seven but now it was it's a week a, seven a, it's a less week seven yeah it's more of, it's getting closer to a solid seven now again though on a rewatch you know yeah I think that the joy on this one uh, had a lot to do with that I just you know didn't know how it was going to turn out and you know yeah 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 obviously the heroes are going to live and but you know how are the heroes going to live is fun. Yeah. And um, yeah, but now the secret's out. So All right. if I watch it again, I'll be like, mm, yep. And this is the part where uh, they run, where, where the great and powerful Oz stalls it for three seconds while they get away. Yep. yep. Hey, Brent, we have one more prediction. Oh, one more prediction. Yep. This one's from Caleb. Hey, Caleb. Tangent is an interesting episode, says Caleb. Mm-hmm. We get to introduce the X-301 fighter and hearing Apophis is still up to his tricks. Yep. Also nice to see Jacob slash Selmac again. The whole mm-hmm, Daniel exchange mm-hmm. with the Jaffa was hilarious. Mm-hmm. The one thing I didn't like was that Apophis spoke English. Jaffa <laughs> do fly death gliders. It should have been in Guawuld language. As later in the episode, Daniel speaks Guawuld to Jaffa in the hot dog. Oh, that's a good point. Well observed. So, so well, well played, Caleb. I had never, uh, never actually put that together, but that makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, uh, he goes on. Uh, they could have had Teal translate it, right? So yeah, so you oh, could yeah, have had him point. speaking Gould and Teal has to translate. Uh, but maybe all Jaffa are injected with translator microbes at birth. Who knows? Yeah, totally. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there we go. Yep. My predictions are Zach six and mm-hmm. Brent six. Yeah. So the general yep. consensus overall, if you were to take the aggregate here, would most people are thinking this is a six episode for both of us, yeah. and yeah. you're a little bit Five higher, and I'm just a smidge lower. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. I had fun. I had a good time. And we all know it's all oh. about me. So, you know. It, is, is it really? Is it? Mm, my head. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Should we go on another tangent about that, or no? Do you think no, we've done let, let, let's, let's just let's move on to the next episode. We, okay, we're finished we're... with tangents. Okay, okay. We are now talking about curses, because the next okay. episode is entitled "The Curse." Mm, okay. So I ask you, what is the curse all about? Mm-hmm. The curse. 
Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travel through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. Upon arrival, they cannot help but feel induced to investigate something that has nothing to do with what they were originally tasked with investigating. As they go and investigate this, this phenomenon, they immediately see a bit of a breadcrumb of another fascinating tidbit just over there. And they keep doing this over and over and over again, getting further and further away from their goal. You see, the Stargate SG-1 team, and in fact, all of Stargate and SG-1, and in fact, everybody that talks about SG-1 cannot help but be cursed with tangents. Join us next time on Stargate SG-1 as we bring tangents back to the front by talking about the curse. The curse of the tangents. Of tangents. (laughs) So, uh... (laughs) Yeah, that that la- your laughter is very is is very kind. It's very kind, Zach. You're you're a kind kind person to laugh at my really bad jokes when it comes to trying to come up with the the tag for the next episode. You laugh at my bad jokes, Brent. It's a mutual thing. I mean, I don't know. I think your joke's pretty good. That's why I laugh. Uh, well, <laughs> I think my jokes are freaking hilarious, which is why I laugh extra hard. But you know, that's that 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 that's personal preference. Well, you know, if you can't laugh at your own jokes, why do you expect somebody else to? <laughs> right. <laughs> Besides, there's nobody that knows you better than you. So hey, go entertain yourself. There you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, shall we watch the promo to find out what the curse is really all about? What's actually about? That's what yep. it's all about. Yes. Ready to go. All right. I am hitting play. Now, next time on Stargate SG-1, an amazing discovery has unforeseen consequences. Uh Uh-huh. Let me see that. Oh, my God. But he's dead. (laughs) My archaeology professor. Wait, what now? Holy cow! Former colleagues stir old memories within Daniel Jackson. Oh my. And what should have stayed lost has been found. Never seen those symbols before, have you? Uh, yes. The hieroglyphs identify the jars belonging to Isis, who is the Egyptian mother goddess. There's something else. The inventory of the steward expedition lists two jars. It's all so next second. time on Stargate SG. Okay. Ooh! Oh! 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 Boy. Oh! That was a nice tease there. Oh, nice. Uh, for those of you, for those at home that uh, oh no, you'll you'll upload it. Just go watch it on the Facebook thing that I don't pay attention to. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you'll see. You the know, tease. I I have been told that I ought to get the. Uh, the promo for the episode onto Facebook sooner than the day we record, and you're absolutely right. And one of these days, I'll get better at that. Um, but it is not this day. It is not. But it is not this day. <laughs> oh man, oh. that's good stuff. Now, but one point of order. Um, you know, I know, I I know that the Egyptian pantheon is is uh, a multi thousand year thing. At least. Two, right? Like the Egyptian uh, Empire. Well, the e- Egyptian history goes back about seven thousand years from today, so about right. five thousand BC. Um, where the Pantheon and how the Pantheon develops within that seven thousand year period um, 
when and how I don't know for sure. That well, said, that said, we've also established that the 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 pyramids are actually more like ten thousand years old, uh, ten thousand yeah. BC instead of five thousand BC, in, according to Stargate. Uh, and so our timelines but, can be fuzzy. But what I'm trying to get at is Hathor and Isis. <laughs> like we've already established that Hathor is the mother gold. But Isis is sort of a motherly figure, says Jackson just now, um, which is both true. Um, but anyway, yeah, looking forward okay. to it. Looking forward to watching the curse. So, uh, Brent. Yes. I do have to tell you that as you prepare to watch this episode, the curse, I yes. need you to watch especially closely. Watch okay. the episode with your eyeballs open. Oh, as opposed to closed. like I As opposed to closed. Watch yeah. it carefully because... There is stuff in there. Stuff in there. Okay. That you need to see. Okay. Okay. I will keep my eyes open for the stuff in there. Now, Zach, you are not allowed to say another word about this episode. Not one more. I won't. None. Zero. I won't. And additionally, does that include your synopsis? Does that include next week? Right. No. Um, Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) In your synopsis. Yes. Maybe if it's this important, maybe we should kind of flippity do some orders around here, like little pop quiz about what I saw, and then you say the synopsis. Um, let's put a pin in that, and we'll talk more okay. about that as we get closer. Okay. All right. Fine. Anyway. Okay. Good. Looking forward to it. All right. Uh, of course, again, a special thanks to David for producing those promos for us. So uh, good. I appreciate that so very Super much. Super good. Uh, they're really great. I love them. Uh, to that end, I say thank you for listening to this podcast. Tell us what you think about this particular tangent uh, or <laughs> other tangents, whatever it is. You know, <laughs> if, if you prefer the cosines or the signs, then, you know, you talk about I them too. That's the fine. Oh, my. Okay. All right. Talk about a tangent. <laughs> it's what I do, man. It's like my entire existence is just I a know, series of tangents. <laughs> I make them look okay, like Brent, they're all Brent, I, I connected. I will say that, that in that moment, I, I lobbed one for you. Says it wasn't a tangent, it was a sign. And you didn't take it. I didn't take it. That's, yeah, no. Oh, okay. I didn't see the sign. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so tell us what you think. You can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at stargatewalking. Go to Facebook, the Facebook page, Walking Through the Stargate, the Facebook group, <laughs> also Walking Through the Stargate. Uh, that's where most of the st- chatter happens in the Facebook group. Uh, mm. Join us at all of those places. Tell us what you think. Share your thoughts and opinions on this episode and uh, the curse that's coming up. The curse. Yeah. To that end, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home. <laughs>